What's up, ladies and gents of the evening, the hour, the morning, the night, whenever you're listening to this. Well, school is full back in motion for about a month now, so I hope everyone is doing good. I know some people started college, I think, was about two weeks ago. So I hope everyone's doing good in school. If you're not in school, you're an adult and you're in work, hope that's going good well, too. Labor Day weekend, you know. I thought I was going to get an episode out this Saturday, which, I mean, I'm not behind on schedule. It's just like... I just like to do these things sporadically. I don't really have a set schedule, but I was like, I wanted to do one this weekend, but ironically enough, Labor Day weekend ended up being filled with labor. So a lot of work going on this weekend for me, and this week's uh, busy as usual, but uh, it's all right, you know, because I enjoy the busy life, but I think it is important that we do remember to rest here and there. So never forget to rest. There are some, uh, there are some like, I think cultures, I'm not saying Hebrew might be one of them, if I'm not wrong, but there's some cultures out there where they actually like kind of like basically in their mind, like the day doesn't start until like nightfall and they do that so that their day starts with rest. So like they go into the, the day, like, like basically sleeping slash with rest and they believe that's a good way to start day. And I think it's a really great way to start day. Cause if you can start the day, you just refreshing and feeling refreshed and refocusing. I think you can be so much more productive than like, then you can probably be then the other way around, you know, not starting the day off of rest. I just think it's a really productive idea mindset to have. So looking at this, what is this, episode three now? Yep. Oh, and by the way, we have a Instagram now. If you have an Instagram, congratulations. You can follow this podcast now and get everything updated from when, well, I want to start doing this is that when we're doing the podcast, what's going to be on the next one? And if we ever have like someone else come on the podcast, you'll get to know about that too. And you'll probably just maybe get some encouragement verses on there. I'm gonna I wanna start posting like just some encouraging words, scripture, or just quotes or just words from me in general, just to give you guys, you know, encouragement throughout the week. Cause I really want this to be a really positive, influential thing. So like I said, just go to Instagram, search up M V Podcast. That is the letter M, the letter V, and the word podcast. And you can follow us and Maybe we'll follow you back. I don't know. And maybe we'll give you a shout out. Who knows? Things happen all the time in my mind that just sporadically change what's happening. So today's episode is probably going to be a little bit shorter, which is like, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think not a bad thing. It's kind of like a good idea. Change of pace. It may be 30 minutes at most, maybe hit a little bit under, but you know, that that means that, you know, that gives me more to work with. Maybe get another one out, uh, maybe by two to two to three days from now so there's that that we'll look forward to but today's just kind of a busy day but I really wanted to sit down and actually kind of sacrifice some time to um record this podcast for you guys and gals out there because in my mindset this morning I was like you know what I'm gonna go to work early this morning like the work I do I'm able to kind of sort of make up my own time I was like I'm gonna go early this morning but then like I kind of looked at the time frame I have about an hour before I have to be somewhere and I'm like you know what, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to sacrifice my time, I'm going to record this podcast, I'll go to work later, and if I have to miss the gym, then I'll just have to miss the gym today. So yeah, because I really think this podcast is important, whether it's like one, two, three, four, you know, or maybe a hundred people listening to it, you know, it's important nonetheless. So I try to prioritize it just for you guys and make sure you guys get the encouragement and just the word from God that you just need for today and throughout the week. It's kind of hard being a one-man crew. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, here we are. Mountains and Valleys, Episode 3. 
And I think the title, or yeah, the kind of like title slash topic of this whole episode is going to be focused around hope, which I think is quite fitting, considering I think last week we talked about untouchable faith, and now we're talking about hope, and I was thinking about it, and I mentioned um, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 last week, talking about, you know, faith, hope, and love, but a grace of these is love. And so who knows, maybe the next episode I'll go ahead and talk about love, because why not, you know, talked about faith, and talked about hope today, and now, and then why not talk about love in the future, so we'll just see what happens. And so today I'm reading from the book of Nehemiah. I'm going to say Nehemiah, I don't know if it's Nehemiah, Nehemiah, I feel like Nehemiah is like the best way to say it, because I feel like there's no Mia on the end of that. So yeah, we're just going to go Nehemiah for today. If that annoys you, then I'm very sorry, and you can correct me. I hope you guys are doing well, by the way, before I start reading this. I really hope you guys are, all of you guys and gals out there, enjoying school, work, not even just that. If, you know, I hope your personal life's good, too. If you guys ever, you know, need anything like someone to pray for you, just want to talk someone, talk something out with, um, I'd say Instagram is the absolute best way you can get in contact with me. Just DM, like I said, MV Podcast. Just DM us what you need in your, in like, Sorry, my dog just like moaned for a minute. That was weird. But um, if you ever need like you know prayer, encouraging scripture, so on, just to talk something out with, just you can DM us at MV Podcast. That is MV Podcast on Instagram, or feel free to email us. Our email is quite long. It's go- it is Mountains and Valleys Podcast at Gmail dot com. I'll say it one more time: Mountains and Valleys Podcast at Gmail dot com. And that's our email, so if you can email us, you can DM us, um, just if you ever need some encouragement or just need something to talk out with, just, I, I want to be a help to you guys, be um, a kind of a tool, a help, a, a guide, you know, for you guys and encourage you guys the most, as much as I can. I really want to focus on, you know, the people and taking care of God's people, per se. So yeah, let's start this thing, shall we? So if you want to know where, where we're reading from today, like I said, it's basically Nehemiah. I don't... I don't I'm going to uh, read through like different chapters. I would say this is more of an overview of a partial bit of the book of Nehemiah rather than like a passage reading. And so today's going to be a like I said, today's just a really big change. Like I wouldn't say big change up, but it's a kind of change up from what we've done because I think the past few weeks, even though like last week I did Daniel, I did three and six. So it was like I kind of got to focus on those. But this week is more of like an overview of this story and whatnot. So let's just let's just check it out and see what God has to say for us. Cause honestly, like I have some notes, but like not a lot of notes, but still I'd say some notes. So let's just start in Nehemiah uh, chapter one verses three through four. Which should give you a background. Um, well, actually, yeah, yeah, it'll say it right here. So starting in verse three, it says, "They said to me." Those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, and when it says, when I is talking, this is Nehemiah speaking. So basically, Nehemiah, when he heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So to pause right there to tell you guys what's going on. So there's... Uh, basically, the walls of Jerusalem have been knocked down and everything. They were broken down and kind of like the whole city's left defenseless from what 
I can interpret right now. And and there's these two friends of um, Nehemiah who's telling them, you know, the walls of Jerusalem, they're broken down, the gates, they've been burned with fire. So basically Jerusalem is just utterly defenseless and they're kind of, they're in trouble for say. And Nehemiah, you know, and Jerusalem had a really great significance to um, the Hebrew people, not just the Hebrew people, any people that followed God at this time. That was a big religious site for them. And it was like, it was a big religious site, but also it was a place for like, I would say for them to be open and have a really intimate moment with God, it was in that place. So they saw that place as a very like, and you got to remember this is Old Testament too. So they saw that as like maybe one of their ways to interpret and interact with God was through that city. And that city did remind them a lot of God's promises as well. So to hear that that city, you know, Jerusalem, it's broken down and its gates have been burned down with fire. It's like, it's like, man, like that, 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 like that's our, that's that's our communication with God. That's our symbol symbolism of God. Like, how can that be broken down? How can that be made vulnerable? And so they're kind of being thrown. It's just a really sensitive area, in my opinion. I think. And so then you go on and you read the rest of chapter one, and Nehemiah is just praying to God. I think just. Because he, you know, like I said, they're in shock. He's in shock of this, and he's just praying to God, pouring his heart out, which is such a great thing for him to do, because it shows his compassion and his care for the city of Jerusalem. But not just Jerusalem; it goes beyond. It shows his compassion and care for his relationship and his people's relationship with God. And so then it goes. But I will say at the end of uh, chapter one, it's good to note that um, Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. So basically, you know, the guy who would drink, like, basically any drink before the king would. So, you know, if anyone tried to poison it, he would die before, you know, it would get to the king. So it's kind of like, I would say, the king's safety net in some way. That's how I've always described a cupbearer just as a safety net. Which is like, it's a huge honor of a job, but at the same time, it's a really sucky job. Because I think for the most part, like, you're, you're, like, you're like pretty high up in a position. You're like, yeah, this is a pretty good job, but, like you're going to hate that one day that someone puts poison in a drink. Like, it's just going to ruin your day. Well, actually, it'll probably kill you, but nonetheless, it's going to ruin your day. <laughs> but, let's see, I want to re- and I'm not going to read over chapters 2 and 3, but basically just know that in, chapters, in chapter 2, the king, um, basically the king that Nehemiah is cupbearer to, he notices that, I think he basically, he notices that Nehemiah is kind of mourning, he's kind of, He's basically not himself. He seems really down, which, I mean, I would be too. And then he goes on, and, and it's, Nehemiah basically asks him, if it pleases you, I'd like to go to Jerusalem. And I think he's basically saying, I want to rebuild the wall and just, like, rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild this place, this holy place of God. And the king actually, like, abides by this. It's actually kind of cool. He actually says, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? And so, Axterra, Axterra, or I have no idea how to say his name, but the king that letter, that name starts with, his name starts with an A, and I just can't say it. But this king basically lets Nehemiah go on this trip and whatnot, which is a really cool thing for him to do. Because usually, you know, most of us probably have the 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 mindset that a king would be like, oh, like, what do you mean you're going to go? Like, no, you're staying here with me. You're my cupbearer. But actually, he sends him out and actually gives him a pretty helpful hand, and he wants him to rebuild the wall with um, Nehemiah, so I was like, all right, all right, that's actually a pretty cool king, and I think it's a really God thing, a God movement on the king's heart at that time, whether the king realized it or not. 
And like I said, chapter two just spent on that. And then in the, other, in the second half of chapter two, Nehemiah goes to inspect Jerusalem's walls. So he's just getting like, he's getting like the outline of what to do, what happened, and how can he fix it? How can he make this wall better? And so I see that, in, in my opinion, I see that as him walking through his thoughts and his details and his mind with God and God speaking to his intellect on his um, on a mental level. And in chapter 3, it just talks about the builders of the wall. And so it's basically just going through like who who rebuilt um, what part and whatnot. Like, you know, for example, in verse 3, it says the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. And, you know, verse 6, it says the Jeshana gate was repaired by Jodea, son of Pesea, and Meshulam, son of Besodia. And so, you know, it's just giving, basically, chapter 3 is giving credit to, like, all the people who helped rebuild the gates and rebuild the walls. And I think it's a good thing to kind of read through so you could kind of see the men, and probably, honestly, even though they're not named, but it's good to see the men and women because, obviously, you know, men and, men and women are equal and let me just be honest with you fellas, without women, we would be nowhere because we need all the support we can get. <laughs> and it goes the other way around too, I think, because we look, men and women, we need each other. Men are not greater than women. Men are not less than women. And it goes the same the other way around. Women are not greater than men and women are not less than men. We are all equal and we're meant to be side by side. You know, when um, God made, when God made Eve, um, he pulled Eve out of Adam's rib, not not from the front, not from the back. He pulled Eve out of Adam's side, out of his rib, and I think, and that, and I know that is God basically saying, you know, you're not what she's not ahead of you, she's not behind you. You two are meant to be beside each other and walk through life together. So, there you go. There's my little put in about how men and women are both to be set equal from the get go. Which also just a side note. I was talking with um, someone yesterday, man, I was just thinking, obviously, I'm only 17 years old, but I think even just that picture, too, of, like, Adam and Eve and the creation of Eve, I think such a beautiful picture of what marriage is, is, you know, marriage isn't meant to be someone over the other. Marriage is meant to be, you know, the two walking side by side. Marriage is to be the man and the woman walking side by side every day in their faith and walking with God and every day just towards, you know, thriving and producing more fruit in life that's what marriage is to me is it's just a precious thing of God and that's why you know I think marriage needs to be took seriously and it's such a marriage is honestly just such a beautiful image to me of God and his kindness even though I'm only 17 and I'm far off from being married I still think it's a beautiful image of God so there's my put in for that and also like an interesting thought of mine is like you know obviously like I said Eve is on like Adam's side for say, and I like to think that if anything, you know, Adam is supposed to have his arm around her and protect her while she comforts his heart. Which I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong for thinking that. But I I just see a lot of beauty in marriage. That's all it is. So yeah, hope to be married one day, but not in a rush. But definitely a beautiful thing of God. Anyways, let's continue with the story. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just gotta go on those little off tracks speaking about things. Anyways, in chapter 4, I'm going to pick back up the reading like from the scripture in chapter 4. So in chapter 4, beginning at verse 1, it says, When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and he was greatly inset, incensed. He, he ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army 
of Samaria, 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 either way. Continuing, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, What are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their walls of stones. And see, and, I, and so basically one through three is you hear kind of like the enemy slash opposition of the Jews and basically the people against Jerusalem. And they're basically saying, you know, how are you going to rebuild this? Like, you guys just, you guys were annihilated. You got demolished. There is no coming back from this. But however, we see such a perseverance of hope. And like I said, today's topic of hope. We see such a perseverance of hope. Continuing in verse 4 of chapter 4 of Nehemiah, it says, Hear us, our God. We are despised. Turn their insults back on their, on, on their heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with all their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard uh, day and night to meet this threat. And continue on to verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, Before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to their work. Um, verse 11 was, by the way, just like the enemies kind of rebuting, saying, no, we're going to kill you. And in verse 12, in saying, Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, Whenever you turn, they will attack us. And I'm going to end um, that little reading right there. So what's going on right here, just to recap. So verse 4 includes all the people looking at Jerusalem saying, There's no way you can rebuild this wall. They're saying, like, you can't rebuild. You're, you guys are vulnerable. You're, you're going to get, like, and they believe the walls that they are rebuilding, they're like, those are weak. Those cannot withstand anything. And they think that Jerusalem, basically the city that had been a little bit destroyed and annihilated, they don't think there could be any restoration in this broken place, this broken down place. And, you know, but yet Nehemiah continues just to pray and, and keep his eyes on God rather than listening to the enemy. He keeps his hope and faith in God. And, but then they plotted together, the enemies, they plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem, and then so they had to keep guards out due to that. And so it's just all these things coming together, and it makes it seem like a very hopeless situation for Jerusalem, because it seems as if this process, maybe the enemy might be right, maybe, you know, maybe the wall won't be rebuilt, maybe Jerusalem will be took over and took captive. But Nehemiah's hope is he's saying no. I have hope that God will rebuild this place and He will restore not just the walls, but He will also restore the walls and people's lives through this project. Such a beautiful picture to me. And this is why I'm so, so amazingly glad I was just led to read this book. It's such a powerful book in the Old Testament. And I think it's one that should be talked about more often. I think another verse to 
focus on is that in verse 10 it says, Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, The strength of the laborers is giving out. And so basically, in verse 10, this is not even an opposition. This is just more of a human obstacle of where the builders are just, you know, they're working day and maybe some night, and they're just working as hard as they can. And they're just saying, we don't have the strength to keep going. We we just don't know if we can keep going anymore. And that's basically the overview of chapter 4. And I want to kind of pause and just talk right there about some of the things. But, so basically, here we are, and you're probably thinking, like, how in the world do does the walls of Jerusalem from, like, thousands and thousands of years ago relate to my life today? To, don't don't worry. I, I thought the same question. I was like, what, what, what does walls have to do with my me and my personal life? No, no telling. But if you think about it, though, think about a time in your life when you just feel like you've been hit left and right. You know, whether you, whether you say the metaphor, like, life is hitting me hard, or you're saying, you know, you know, someone, like, people are really persecuting me, my sin is getting to me, I'm just falling to the flesh, I feel like the devil is tempting me, and just, whatever it is going on, you feel like you're just being hit with that left hook, that right hook, that uppercut, and then a kick to the head, you're just, you just feel like you're just being, you feel like you're in a fight, and you feel like you're losing, you're getting beat up, you're getting worn out, you're trying to, you know, maybe you're like the workers on the wall. You're trying to rebuild everything, but your, you know, your arms are getting tired. Your legs, you know, your legs, you can hardly hold yourself up. Your back is giving out, and you're just, here. You are. You're you're still being hit left and right. You're trying to defend yourself while the enemy plots against you. Everything's just going wrong, and you're being hit. You got a hit to the left, a hit to the right, and your arms. You're trying to block, and your left arm. You maybe even it's your left arm. You're trying to block. And your left arm just gives out and you try to rebuild your right arm and your right arm just throws out a socket. And you're trying to maybe keep walking with that rubble to keep walking to put on that next brick, that next pile and just rebuild. And your But your legs just give up and your knees and your feet fall out from under you. And here you are, you're left totally vulnerable. And you're just saying, I have no hope. I think that's one of the hardest things for me to hear is one, probably the hardest thing for me to hear is when someone says, I don't feel loved. And I would say right under that is, is when someone looks, whether at me or when they're telling me or whether I hear about someone telling God, just saying, I have no hope. I am hopeless. It is such... I see it honestly as a tragedy and such, I, I mourn and it hurts me to hear when, whether it's one person or many people, or they're just in the wall, they're, they're in a troubled time in the midst of trouble and, and they just say to themselves and they say to the world and they say to God himself and they go, I have no hope, I, I just, I give up. That's honestly what they're saying. They're saying we have no hope. We give up. Because without hope, then, like I said, we're just tapping out. We're submitting to whatever our enemy is. And so that relates to our lives because Lord knows I've had times and um, then earlier this year, earlier this year, I'd probably say, you know, 
there's a cert. I will go ahead and say it, there was a certain day, but you know the effects of it lasted all week. But I can specifically remember a day, January fourth. I'm not going to go into detail about that day, but I remember on that day I lost a lot of hope, and I just because there was something where my my enemy at the time was not necessarily my sin, even though it was a part of it. It was also the sins of another, which, believe it or not, someone else's sin can affect us, and I think sometimes that can happen, not all the time, but it can, and that was the case for me, and what happened on that day just affected me, and it still affects me to this day. I mean, obviously, um, God willing, I've gotten through it, and I've hoped that if you're going through a hard time, or that you, or anyone listening, if you've gone through a hard time, I hope that you, that my hope is that you have gotten through it as well, just as I have but the fact of the matter is, you know, whatever it is, and not even just, you know, that day, like throughout my whole life, and not just my life, you know, the lives of others, I've heard times of when, you know, everything was sunshine and rainbows, and next thing you know, the next minute, it seems like they're having a hard time even paying a light bill, they're having a hard time finding food, or they're having a hard time even just finding something that keeps them happier, you know, everything's going well in the family, the family's tightening it together, and then the head of the family just like passes away. It's just things like that of that nature that just make us lose hope and our depression and our doubts and our vulnerabilities and our mistakes, we lose hope. And whatever is going on in your life, I just, you're about to see why I wanted to speak about Nehemiah and why I, why I did this podcast and why I'm willing to sacrifice my time to give this out to you guys because I believe someone is out there and they were like me or maybe they were like you if, if maybe you can't relate to this but maybe they were maybe there's someone else like Nehemiah and the people of Jerusalem at this time where you just feel hopeless you feel lost you feel like you're in a battle you feel like you're in the fight of your life and you feel like you can't give up you feel like it's time to give up you know the refs at that count of nine he's about to count the ten about to count you out you're about to be knocked out but here comes God in all his grace and his mercy and his glory and his power and his beauty. And he restores places that are broken and he gives them hope. Hope for the future. So let's just read on. Um, let's read on Nehemiah verse 14. And so it says, don't be, and this is halfway after I looked over things, this is Nehemiah speaking, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, and your wives, and your homes. When our enemies heard that we were aware of the plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. And I want to pause right there and just notice that, like I said, even in the midst of you know, these people saying, you'll never rebuild, you'll never be the same, you guys will forever be a broken city, you will be took over, you will be took captive, in the midst of all these enemies, and these lies, and, this, and these fears, God speaks, and God protects, God protects Nehemiah and the people, and he, he thwarts the plot of the enemy, and this is where things begin to turn around. So basically going going on, um, you can read through chapter 5, chapter 6 if you feel like. Um, chapter 6, 
is just a continuation of, basically chapter 6 is a continuation of people to the opposition of the rebuilding. But here we are, we get to the end of the story, the end of this little plot in the book of Nehemiah. And so starting at uh, chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Remember Tobiah and Sanballat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet of Nodiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So he's saying, God, remember, remember my enemies, like, you know, make sure they remember what they did to me. I wouldn't say this is a, I wouldn't say this is a revengeful prayer, but rather a prayer of maybe this is just Nehemiah's way of connecting to God, saying, God, just remember, like help, maybe he's also saying, God, remember what the enemies did to me, and God, help me remember what what was happening. So he's basically saying, maybe just remember the hard times. Anyways, in verse 15, it goes on and it says, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul. It's E-L-U-L. I have no idea how to say it. So, I'm, so the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. So in 52 days, the wall of Jerusalem was completed. And, you know, let's just go on to verse 16. I want to read this. It says, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful story here in Nehemiah. Because here we have where you have this group of people, the city, where its walls broken down, and just one, one person goes in with such a passionate and compassionate heart or his, where he sorrows for the walls, and he wants the city of Jerusalem to be rebuilt. So here we are. We have him, and he re, and you know opposition people saying, "You will never rebuild this city. Will never be the same. You guys will forever be weak. And if you even you know throw up any walls, we'll just tear them back down. We'll defeat you." And even in the midst of all this, here comes God protecting them, being over them, watching over them. With every ounce of sweat and blood and tears shedded throughout the story, God rebuilds that wall in 52 days through the hands of the men and women who wanted to rebuild these walls and restructure and bring back glory to not just the city, but more importantly to God and even more importantly to their relationship with God. And so whatever you're just going through, when you hear this story, I want you to recognize something. And I, and you know, if I keep on repeating myself, then my apologies, but I'm just speaking from heart, speaking from spirit, from mind and soul right now, from someone who's been through those hard times. And I've been through the walks of life with you guys. Like I said, this goes back to the first episode. This is why I call this podcast Mountains and Valleys. I've been on the mountain. I've been in the valley. I understand and I think, you know, it's good to note that there are there can be many things that affect our hope, that, that hurt us. One, it can be our own sin. It can be our own downfall from ourselves. It can be flesh, temptation. It can be, you know, the devil himself. Or, I think this one maybe we don't think about a lot, but sometimes the acts and the sins of others can also cause us to lose our hope. Which, I say this word hope a lot. So let me just define the word hope. I know this is like late in the get-go of this episode. Let me just define it. So the definition of hope, or at least what I found, was confident expectation 
of what God has promised and its strengths is in his faithfulness. So hope finds strength in God's faithfulness, not our faithfulness, God's faithfulness. And hope, like I said, is a confident expectation of what God has promised. So it's looking, it's so hope basically is looking back at what all God has done and what God and what all God has said. And hope looks into the future and it holds on to those promises. It holds on to those words and those motions of God. And it looks towards the future and it says, God will deliver us. God will fulfill his promise. And that's such a beautiful thing. So that's why I want to talk about hope this week. That is something that, like I said, I've lost before. I know many, I know countless friends of mine, they've been through times where they feel like they've had no hope. But truly, we can find our hope. And where do we find our hope? Honestly, you can find your hope in people. You can find your hope in materialistic things. Which, you know, I think is fine to a degree, you know. I think it's fine to find hope in your friends. It's, it's okay to find hope in your church, in your family, maybe even in your pets. You know, that's, that's awesome, honestly. I think it's great to have those good relationships with people and animals. But our foundation of hope, of where we can find it, is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in God. It's found in the Spirit. Because even because like I said, when everything is torn down, let, let me just give you this um, kind of like these kind of words. I think that God kind of spoke to me, if I may. Like, I actually wrote it in my Bible, so I actually can access it. So, and it, this is kind of what I just wrote down at the time when I read this. I wrote, "God breaks down our walls of fault to surround us with His arms in order to protect us." with his all-powerful love. And so basically what I think maybe I was saying there, maybe what God was speaking to me, is that God maybe, you know, sometimes he'll, he will allow those walls to be broke down because in reality, the walls that we make, they're weak, they're vulnerable. And, and also they can disconnect us from God and not just God, but people as well. And so maybe sometimes God allows those walls to be broke down and he wants them to be broke down, but only so he can put his arms, which are his walls. So basically he wants to take down our walls and rather surround us and protect us with his arms. And that will bring us hope, love, and faith. And it will connect, reconnect us with God and reconnect us with people and reconnect us with the joy of life in general. And so whatever you're going through or whatever you have been through, whatever you, you, know, you, you feel a storm coming, or I don't know why God is speaking to me, to me this right now, but if you're out there and you've made, let's say you've made a crucial mistake, I think, you know what, let's, let's, let's put it out there, let's do it. One mistake that I have heard about a lot happening today, because, you know, obviously I'm 17, I'm still in high school, and so I hear a lot of things and I see a lot of things, You that's just what happens when you go to a public high school. And so hearing and seeing things from the lives of others, one sad thing that, or I should say one unfortunate thing that's happening a lot as this day and time is a lot of people are giving up their, basically giving up their virginity like it's, like it's candy, honestly. I don't know how to put it in a more mature or better structured phrase, but a lot of people are just going out 
and giving away that precious gift of that God has given of, you know, sex, which is like a weird thing to think about that that's a gift from God. Well, maybe a gift may be the wrong word, but it is a, is, but basically, you know, sex is meant to be an intimate thing between a husband and a wife. It's not meant to be before marriage. It's only meant to be during marriage, you know, because it's, it's just, it, there's just a lot of sensitive stuff talking about. Basically, what I'm just trying to say is that, you know, a lot of people out there are just selling themselves, selling their bodies and their virginity and their sex to others. And, you know, I think the sad part or the disappointing part to hear is that they do it, they do it maybe a few times, and then they find themselves in a place where they've lost themselves. They've lost who they are, and they feel so much guilt and shame. And that's going to happen when you make the wrong, when you make a choice like that. And that's not me being harsh, that's just honesty. But I think even when we make our own mistakes like that, I just want to speak hope into that. That even though you may have screwed up, you may have messed up, you're going to get out of this. God's going to change you. If you if, as long as you're willing to just turn away from that and start refocusing and you know just turn to God and just go with Him and walk with Him in that daily life and understand there can be healing, there can be repairs. And not even just to that scenario, just to any scenario where we fault ourselves to our own sin or maybe the acts of others have caused us to downfall, you know, the sins of others have caused us to fail. Whatever it is, have hope. Look back on the promises of God. Even though you may have screwed up, even though someone else may have hurt you, look back on what God has done in the past. Maybe maybe not just in your life. Look at what He's done in the New Testament, the Old Testament. Look at what He's done throughout history and know that His promises are still true to today. That He's going to deliver you and He's going to change you and morph you and mold you into something stronger and better. And that wall that was broken down that life that was broken, and that hope that was lost, everything will, be re- re- build, will, everything will be restored in time through God and His strength. And when you feel like you can't keep your guard up, when you feel like you can't keep on rebuilding, you feel like you can't keep fighting, God's going to be there, and He's going to put the Spirit inside of you of hope for you to keep on to just clench on to that last drop of will and ounce of tear and sweat He's going to help you clinch on to that. And so you can grab that and grasp it and keep fighting and keep going and keep having hope knowing that you're going to get through this. Because whoever you are and whatever you're going through out there, guys and girls, you're going to get through it. When the enemy says there's no way you're coming back from this and when you feel like you've told yourself, I can't recover, you will recover. You just have to have hope. You just have to have hope in the promises of God. Well, guys, I'm afraid that's all I have time for this week. I was able to get about 40 minutes. So, like I said, my prayer this week, my hope, ironically, you know, hope. Um, but anyways, my just prayer this week is for there to be restoration in your lives of, bro- of where the brokenness and where there's vulnerability because all the walls have been broken down. This, I want to, I just really pray that you guys find hope this week and find faith in God and Maybe if you're, maybe you're not close to God, I hope you will get closer to Him and get to know Him. 
because God pulled me out of the sea just like he, you know, Jesus pulled Peter out of the sea when he lost hope and he lost faith. God will pull you right out of the sea as well, my friend. All right, well, thank you guys for, you know, listening in and tuning in, and I'll see you next time.